Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Call to Action podcast. Today is Tuesday, June 9th, and we have a very special guest with us today, uh, the interim head coach of the Bowling Green State University Falcon baseball team, Kyle Halleck. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm well, Jeremy. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. So uh, a lot's gone on in the last month, right? Um, take us through kind of the roller coaster that uh, the, the program's been on, that you've been on. Uh, I mean, it's got a – with with COVID and the pandemic and everything taking over and, and tough decisions being made, just kind of that process. Um, how, uh, first, how the team went away and – that, that you were able to get things back and ultimately become, you know, the, the new man in charge. Yeah. So the first um, big event, I would say, in that timeline happened uh, May 15th. Um, we were told our, our program was cut. And our initial thought as a coaching staff was to get together and make sure the kids are okay emotionally. I mean, it's their career that's affected the most. There's 34 players on the 2020 BGSU Falcons this year so we needed to make sure that they were understanding what was happening and then we needed to set set the date to clean out our lockers and and get things tidied up and the day we came over there which was the following Wednesday which I believe now would be the 20th of May that was when we came around the corner and we saw about 30 to 40 alumni uh, watching and and assisting us with emotional and, and physical support to, to help our guys, you know, clean out the lockers and, and do things, uh, yeah, get, get cleaned up. So once we saw that, we realized that, you know, these guys drove from miles and miles away. And we really thought that this had a chance to come back for the simple fact of look at how much support they're showing. And in the meantime, they're, raising money left and right. I mean, close to a million dollars within the first five days and getting pledges and getting people on board and just hearing from people that you, you know, have supported you from afar, but to physically see them was, was a different kind of beast and to see them in person. Our guys really respected that and they understood the tradition of Bowling Green State University baseball so then we fast forward towards the end of the month, about seven to 10 days happen, and the campaign to bring it back is going on, and everything's being handled great uh, with, with care and professionally. So once we, we got to the end of the month, Sunday, May 31st, we thought, you know, this could, this could be a done deal and baseball might be able to be brought back. And we were just hanging on tight for as long as we possibly could and trying to keep our guys here and keep them optimistic and keep them positive because in the, in the beginning we were helping, we were helping out other programs. We were selling them other places and um, they were getting extreme interest because they're really good players and they're really good students and they're outstanding human beings. So we, in a sense, we were teeing our guys up for other people. And then the alumni starts bringing them back, uh, bringing, bringing in some, some revenue and, and cash. And now we're like, all right, just hang out. Just hold on for a second, guys, if you can, if you can. So it was uh, one of those things we were all trying to start to work together and really just hang on tight and stay in orange and brown as long as we possibly could. And through the hard work and collaboration of 
you know, our administration, our school, and the alumni coming together, we are in a, we're in a great spot now, and we're in a great spot for the future at BG. And we're excited about it. Yeah, I mean, the, the, from afar, from where we sit, it was just, it's cool to see and, um, you know, the, the support that, that people saw the unfortunate decision but that they came out and really supported because it's, it's really cool to see what BG baseball meant to the community, to the alums and to, you know, to everyone that, that worked hard to bring it back. And I guess just in a three week span or whatever it was um, to, to see that bounce back and, and show the cares is really a, a cool story. And, and, and the fact that you're able to, to be a part of that and, and, and that the kids now have, you know, a, a new lease on their, their career is, is just really a, a feel good story. It absolutely is. We couldn't have done it without our alumni. We couldn't have done it without the resolve of our players and their families for sticking with us. And we definitely couldn't have done it without the administration. I mean, they, they did an outstanding job working with us and, and finding a solution. And we worked really well together and, we're in this for the long haul and how we compare it and how we've talked to our team is basically you guys have a shot. This is the stuff where 30 for thirties with ESPN are made off of. So uh, let's get back here. Let's get back in the dugout and see, see what we can do together. See, see how this all comes together and, and really show the alumni that their investments and, 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 you know, obviously the people of, the fans of Bowling Green State University, that this is an awesome student-athlete experience made possible by special people. No. More interesting things as well as we were watching this whole thing kind of unfold was the amount of support you got from um, other teams around the MAC. I mean, even, you know, Toledo was reaching out to you guys, making sure, you know, everything was okay. I mean, what – I mean – what does what does BG baseball I mean mean to the Mac in your eyes and and why is it so important? You know, I would say our program is is a foundation piece to, to the Mid American Conference, especially in the baseball world. We've got a lot of tradition. We've won eight championships. We've produced eight championships. A bunch of big leaguers, even more draft picks and even more successful graduate stories than those, those combined. And I found out a lot about the people in our league when they reached out and how that this was a bigger than I'm just going to make my team better with your players situation. And I can't thank those coaches enough for how they handled this situation. Uh, they handled it with care. Uh, the respect they showed to our coaching staff, the Coach Smiths, Coach Shea, Coach Askew, and I is really remarkable. And if you're looking for something in today's together for the whole league, Coach Shea, Coach for something, and it's unique and special. And I'll never forget their efforts to help and their assist to help bring us back. Because if they take all our players. You know this this gets a lot tougher and and the respect i have for those guys is is through the roof and i can't thank them enough yeah well you know you're you're no stranger to the mac uh clearly you've you've uh, won four titles uh yourself as a all-american pitcher at kent state um 
And, you know, not to talk necessarily about Kent State, but you, you've played in this league. This league means a lot to you. And now you're able to take over the reins as, a, as an interim head coach in this league. Just, just what, what about Mac baseball and just about the league overall, uh, having played in it and now being a, a head coach? What makes the Mac special? What makes people what, – what do people not realize about Mac baseball? I think the first thing people um, would start to realize is as you go up in levels, especially in the amateur baseball, the pool of people and players gets smaller. So you're playing against people you played against in travel ball and growing up, whether it's Acme, Legion, elite travel ball tournaments, and you're seeing these guys and you're seeing the same names you saw when you were 12, 13, 14, 15, and you get to play with some of them and now you get to play against them again. And in some senses, it's the same game you've been playing against these guys when you were 10, 11, 12, and now you're just doing it in front of a lot more people with more press and more people get, get to get a good, good quality exposure out of it. And the Max is special league. It, it's in the Midwest. It's in the yeah, North. The Max is special league. Play in the cold to be in it. You got to have, have some grit. And you're coming in this league because you want to be a really good baseball player. You do. And yeah absolutely and um i think the other thing is just a little bit i I know we weren't going to touch a ton on it but your time at kent state uh again like i mentioned you've won titles well what was what was it like as a player uh we do want to touch base on just you coming up and getting to this point i guess uh, not just your career and your time at Kent State, what that meant to you, but just when did you decide that you wanted to get into coaching? Yeah, so I, my coaching progression, I've been fortunate. I played for a legendary high school coach in Ray Neal at Sandusky Perkins High School. From there, I went and pitched for Coach Strickland, uh, Coach Birkbeck, and Coach Daly at Kent State. Following that, uh, I played professionally up to AAA with the Houston Astros. Uh, my first coaching job was in the Cape Cod League. Um, after I was released from spring training in 2014, so the summer of 2014, I head out to Massachusetts, a place I had never really known about. And the first after the first week or two, I called Coach Birkbeck right up and I said, hey, I don't know if I'm cut out for this, man. This is, you know, I'm good on that side of the white lines. I don't know if I'm really good on this side of the white lines. Um, and I'm young and I'm trying to get really talented guys to listen to a guy who looks like he could still be pitching with them. <laughs> and uh, we had a couple cool experiences. We had some really talented players that once we figured out each other and, and understood what we were, what we both wanted out of that summer, uh, we made something special happen, and, and those players won a championship, and it was the first of three in a row for the Yarmouth Dennis Red Sox. And our manager, Scott Pickler, is in the Hall of Fame uh, for, you know, for college baseball. He's in every Hall of Fame. He's one of the best junior college coaches ever. And then from there, uh, I, I hooked up with Tom Crank, who's about to be the all-time wins leader at Malone University. Yep. So if you look at who I've been fortunate to be around, uh, 
I would say I'm, I'm in dugouts where I'm not the smartest guy and I'm trying to continuously learn from people that are, that are better than me that have more experience. And I just try to draw on that to shorten my learning curve and then put our players in a really good position where they can have success. So that's how I got here. And then, you know, you talk about Coach Schmitz, uh, my latest boss, uh, over 700 wins, seven championships, knows the league in and out. I couldn't ask him enough questions about, about how we can get BGSU baseball where we want to get it. And he is, he is one in a million, Jeremy. He's one in a million. He's truly a special individual, a special coach, and, and a great baseball mind. And I, I couldn't thank him enough for bringing me on board and, and allowing me to continue my career and, and move into the Mid-American Conference again. Yeah, and that, and that was going to be the next thing I had was just uh, Coach Schmitz, uh, what he's meant to the program, like you just mentioned, uh, what he's meant to Bowling Green. I mean, let's not just cut it to, to baseball here. He's he's meant a ton just to the university. And, you know, he's going to still be around in a supportive role. Um, being able to learn even more from him and, uh, you know, pick his brain, well, what's that going to mean to you just – you know, you're getting the reins turned over to you, but you're going to have a guy that you can lean on with that much experience. I mean, what are you looking forward to about that and being able to kind of pick his brain while also, you know, bring your own style to it? Yeah, I think I can call Coach Schmitz and give him a scenario to which he can have an answer to because with it, with how he's had success and, again, his his level of experience – there's probably a situation out there that he hasn't been, that he's been in. So I want to shorten my learning curve all the time. So if something pops up that I don't have an immediate answer to, you know, that might be a phone call you know, after, phone call. after, after we get through that situation as the, you know, came up, how did it go down for you? How did you we can decide if that applies to, you know, that applies to, no doc. And, um, He's more than willing to help. Coach Smith is a people person. He's very, very uh, dynamic in his interaction, and he wants the best for other people, and he wants nothing more than to see Bowling Green State University baseball succeed. And it's his life's work, Jeremy. It's his life's work. It, it is – he went from a great coach to a legend to an icon in our program, and an icon is tough to get to um, in, in any profession. And – Anytime you have a resource like that, you use it. You definitely use it. That's awesome, man. Yeah, he's he's a legend. There's there's no doubt about it. Uh, let me see. I think we got Eric's had some technical technical difficulties here, but I think we got him back. Yeah, sorry guys. It's okay. my computer. I think overheated. <laughs> hey, that's why we edit this. Um, Maybe not. Maybe we'll yeah. just leave it in there. We were just talking about how, um, you know, Kyle grow, kind of playing in the MAC, winning championships in the MAC, and how he's able to bring that experience. And then as well, what, what Coach Schmitz um, and being able to learn from him, not, not only that, but the other coaches that he's been able to learn from um, mm -hmm. during his time, you know, what that, what that means to, to Kyle. I, as Eric gets back on track here, we'll go back, bounce back. One coach is another guy that you, you did mention, um, but I but I mentioned to you before we were going to talk here is uh, Coach Birkbeck. We've, we've learned, we've heard a lot about Coach Birkbeck. We've talked to 
whether it's Coach Duncan, I talked to Coach Lowell a couple, weird, uh, couple weeks ago. Uh, everyone's got a Coach Ferg story. What's yours? So Coach Ferg is one of the best I've ever seen at presenting a point that applies across all areas. One of the things he put in my head that allowed me to develop and grow, he pulled me in my junior year into the office at Kent State, and he said, Kyle, you're one of 75 left-handed pitchers in the country that can do what you do. Now, there's 75 of you getting ready for this, this season, the draft, all those kind of things. And what you need to figure out, and I'll help you with this, is what makes you different and what makes you special. Because maybe eight to ten of those guys are and if you want to be one of them, you want to professional baseball, we have to figure that out together. And I'm here to help you. So the first thing you realize is you have an ally with Coach Birkbeck, but then you also realize you have someone that's going to push you to a, to a high level. And that's no different than what we do at Bowling Green State University. We identify what our guys do really well, and we try to put them – in places where they can grow and develop and become special players and hopefully move on into professional baseball. So Coach Birkbeck was, is one of the best I've ever seen at presenting information to a player that will allow them to understand it and then grow from it immediately, immediately. Coach, you mentioned uh, you're a lefty. I'm actually uh, a lefty myself. Um, I didn't quite get to the uh, spot that you made it to, but uh, what's what's your, I guess what's what do you feel is so special about about being a lefty pitcher and why are they so important in uh, today's game? As long as they keep the pickoff rules the same, we can see everything that's going on at first base uh, pretty easily. So uh, we have a good. The first thing that sticks out about us is you can control the running game because it's right in front of you. Our ball moves a little bit different, actually. It spins, it rotates, it runs. Um, you're, you're getting different points of view from left-handed hitters and, and right-handed hitters. And the angles that inside and pitching side with are, are unique. And uh, most of us are a little goofy, a little crazy up top, so we think outside the box box naturally. And uh, I don't know if you're you're in that you're in that league with me, Eric, but we uh, we'll come up with some stuff that maybe those right-handers don't really think of from time to time. Kyle, let's let's get um, more about your background and your pitching. Who who are some guys you looked up to growing up um, as as you decided and went the route of being a pitcher. Um, you know, who are, who are some of those icons and idols that you always followed and tried to learn from? Yeah, I watched uh, the, the Braves, the 90s Braves, um, a lot. I obviously watched the Indians because they were local, but their stars on the mound were a lot of those guys were right-handed. So you're looking at Tom Glavin, you know, then graduating to Mark Mulder and, and uh, Barry Zito out in Oakland when they're running through the AL West. And uh, just guys that I felt 
you know, pitched a similar style to me and executed. Now, obviously, Randy Johnson's really fun to watch. He makes it look really easily. So we're all chasing velocity a little bit growing up. And, uh, and you know, we did that for, for a while and play around with arm slots in the backyard and see what's easy and just, just play a lot of backyard baseball. And th I would say those, those three, four guys really influenced, you know, how, how I tried to compete and how I tried to, to mold myself as a player and then just be the, the honest goal. Uh, and one of, one of the things my dad was a genius at, I still think of today is he used to take me around town. Um, and when I was growing up, you had Matt Maloney at Huron High School. You had the Bixler brothers at Perkins High School. You had the Snyder brothers at uh, Bellevue High School. And all of those guys played professional baseball. So when I was 10, 11, 12, the Sandusky Bay Conference we didn't have to go far to watch talent. And the thing my dad said to me, we'd go watch Ben Snyder, who's a lefty. You go watch Matt Maloney, who's a lefty. He'd say, Kyle, don't watch, don't watch the game as a whole. I want you just to focus on that guy, that one guy, that really good pitcher. I want you to think about moving how he moves, but most importantly, act how he acts. And those guys were going places that I wanted to go. So if I wanted that to be, to be me and to be next, I had to watch those guys take some notes and then start applying it to myself when I was 12, 13, 14 years old. And thankfully, those guys are great role models. And now I can tell you, honestly, they've become friends. Because like we said, the baseball world shrinks. And, you know, everyone in that, in that conversation got to professional baseball. And we're kind of speaking the same language now. And, and it's fun to think that I was a little kid running around the fence, just trying to get a better look at them to see how, how good they did things back in high school. And then they were all, you know, superstars in the Mac, pitchers of the year, players of the year, high draft picks. And, you know, you talk about timing. That's, I was, I was lucky, lucky to have those examples. So that's, that's what we did. That's what we did growing up. We went and watched really good players and then just tried to do what they did. Yeah. You talk about learning so much from uh, all those guys. Is there, something that you really took from them specifically that, um, you know, you still hold today and maybe even teach your guys going forward? Yes, mound presence. They asserted themselves. Uh, they moved differently. They moved with a purpose. You knew who they, uh, who they were. Um, and it wasn't a uh, style master type of move, as Coach Schmitz likes to say. They weren't styling out there. They were just all business all the time. And the switch was on from the time you saw them pull up when they got off the bus until you saw them disappear back on the bus. And it was like seeing a mythical creature, a legend, and you're like, how do they do that? How, how do they get themselves into that kind of zone? You know, you're, every athlete's looking to enter the zone, right? And those guys were in it all day, all the time, every time I saw them. So, you know, for our guys and for me, I'm just trying to figure out what gets them in the zone quick and what gets them in the zone a long time. Nice. It's good. It's good stuff. You know, you talk about mom presence. I feel like one thing I love talking about former baseball players and coaches is like the amount of stories that, uh, because I think baseball just has like all these unwritten things and the dugout and like no one knows what's going on in the mound or in the dugout. Do you have a, a mound story 
uh, like a mound visit story, whether you're a coach or during your time when you're a student athlete, that just sticks out as being something uh, that people may find entertaining? Yeah, absolutely. I got one as a player and then one as a coach. How's that Sweet. sound? Yeah, give it so as a player, I was a freshman and we were down at McKee Field in Miami in Oxford. And I was coming out of the bullpen at that point in the year. It's late in the year, getting right before Mac term in 2008. And uh, the Red Hawks are, you know, absolutely loaded offensively and on the bump. And I'm available out of the bullpen in a long relief role, long middle relief role. And I believe, you know, one of our starters got chased early that game. Again, they're going up against a great offense, a lot of draft picks. And I go out to the mound, and I think it starts off something like walk, double, get the ball back after backing up third base, get to the mound. You know, I'm not moving with great pace. As I get to the mound, Coach Strickland's already out there. So I just went and backed up third base after this double. You know, there's time. Like, Coach Strickland calls time because the play's dead now. I'm walking to the mound, crossing the third base line, and Coach Strickland's crossing the first base line at the same time. He couldn't, he couldn't wait to get out there and, and, <laughs> and give me his perspective and coach me up a little bit. And uh, he sure did that. And, and long story short, he just asked me if he needed to get another reliever going or if I was going to be the guy to pitch us out of this situation and keep us in this ball game. And then I got a serious choice to make for the club. And uh, hopefully, luckily, uh, made the right choice, pitched it well after that. And, uh, you know, we, we went on to, to play good baseball after that and, and make another deep run in the tournament. So um, as a coach, uh, my very first coaching job, um, it was uh, one of those things where I couldn't get the guys to, like, listen right like I'm young when I shaved my face back then I, I could pass for like you know 21 and I'm probably 25 26 <laughs> so I'm out there in the cape and we're just in we're in last place like we're not playing good no one you know they're there for the cape experience and I'm trying to get to them trying to figure out what makes them tick and finally I'm like you know what maybe these guys just need a visual lesson because I had just gotten really least maybe two months ago so I'm still indeed I'm still in good playing shape and I'm still pretty sharp when I pick up a ball and play catch I uh, asked them to get to the field early and I play a game where they're going to roll reverse so they are going to be my coach and I'm going to play catch I'm going to throw a bullpen and then I'm going to condition and I just wanted to show them what I think it looks like and what it should look like and what more importantly what it acts like, you know, what they want to become, but how they need to act. And, you know, catch is going good. I'm loose. I'm hot. I'm hopping in the bullpen and I'm getting it going. And as the baseball gods would have it, every pitch I throw the first 10, the glove doesn't move except to close it. I mean, it's going right there and you know, it's kind of quiet and I'm, I want to have some fun with them. So I turn and I say, coaches, you guys are awful quiet you don't want to fix anything with this and they start laughing and one of our lefties from Illinois uh, says yeah throw a pitch over 92 and I said you know that's funny you say that because I've been waiting for you to do that since you got here <laughs> and then they all start laughing I think everyone relaxed after that point and we all got on the same page and then 
another good one most people know real quick is, you know, Walker Bueller's an absolute superstar. He was on that staff, and he had just gotten there from the College World Series after winning it. And then he goes and spends a couple weeks with us, then moves on to Team USA. And then we're in the midst of our run, finishing the regular season really, really well. And after that, he comes back after Team USA to help us finish us off and that guy that he didn't know us anything just won the college world series helped us out for a little bit you know goes and pitches for team USA he comes back because good wasn't good enough and that's how he is so we're in the championship series and this is last game he's pitching and he's facing one of the best hitters in the league who's also a big leaguer now like him and I go out to the mound and Walker is extremely advanced and he just needs a little poke sometimes like coach Strickland gave to me and I asked him, I said, hey, Walker, what do you normally throw? And he's like 94, 95. I said, okay, I'm just letting you know that you're, you're chilling out and you're hanging at 90, 91. And we got the tying run on second. We got the best here in the league up. And this situation calls for 95 miles an hour. I've got it over there in the bullpen warming up. Is that where I need to go to get, to get it? And he's like, nope, I got it. 94, 95, 96. And then we dogpiled and – that's that's how I'll remember Walker Bueller. So it was pretty special. It's pretty special. That that's pretty incredible. I was gonna mention your time your time in the Cape Cod League. I mean, you obviously saw a lot of very impressive players come out of there. Other than other than Walker, is there any other guy that you kind of sat back as a coach and were like, "Wow, this guy this guy's got it." Plenty of them. Plenty of them. That that is that is a special league filled with special dudes and. Phil Bickford was out there that summer and he was our closer and coach coach Vanderhook at at Fullerton allowed us to have 30 innings with him. So the genius that our manager coach Pickler was is instead of just using him for five or six starts at five or six innings a piece, he's like we'll just close him. That way we can have him for the whole time. And he's our, you know, if we get the lead by the 7th, it's over with that dude. I mean, he went through Hyannis one night on three innings with 31 pitches and they were all fastballs and he spotted it like it was like Maddox. I mean, the, the glove didn't move guys and it, and it didn't raise up either. Those were bricks in the bottom of the zone. He was special. I mean, Ian Happ, who's a big leaguer was out yeah. there. Um, Cincinnati kid, you know, uh, just a lot of, a lot of talent that we, we think, you know, Josh Dalmont is, going crazy viral right now on Twitter. He's throwing 104. I mean, he played catch at like 99 when, when we had him there. And, and the long toss between him and Bickford, was, the field couldn't hold those guys. They couldn't hold them. I mean, they're going from home plate on the other side of center field at, at YD. I mean, yeah. just when they decided that they wanted to practice – at a certain level and make legendary stories before the game with their preparation, the wins took care of themselves. The wins took care of themselves. That's awesome. It's awesome. Like I said, like I stated, I love hearing, I could hear you probably have so many baseball stories and you're still, you know, relatively young and going to be starting your coaching career. here. Just the, just the stuff that goes on in the field and all that is, uh, 
I, I, I never get sick of it. I just don't. I don't know. I could hear story after story. I love it. What, um, with this new crew that you're going to be, they're not new. I mean, you spent some time with them, but that you're going to be leading at Bowling Green. Um, what are you most excited about with, with this current roster and, and looking ahead to uh, the, the upcoming season, what you guys can do with it? The first thing I'm excited about is getting to the first team meeting and knowing that when we walk through the door together as a staff and as the 2021 Bowling Green State University baseball team, I'll know everyone in that locker room wants to be at Bowling Green State University after this. And that's, that's very important to have everyone that wants to be in your locker room, in your dugout, on your field, given, given the team and giving the program, giving our alumni and our school everything they have every day. The first thing we're going to hit on is, is the contribution and made by our alumni and our school to, to bring us back and, and what our players, you know, must live up to and those expectations. So we think we'll start there. We like what we have returning on the mound and we really like what we have returning in the field and at the plate. It's a great, it's a great nucleus that we think we can win with. And they are the right guys for the job. They are the right guys to lead us into to this new decade of Bowling Green State University baseball. And I couldn't be couldn't be prouder uh, that that they really applied the term commitment. Most people learn it, and to everyone it might mean a little bit something different. But to us at BGSU, we really know what commitment is now. And uh, I'm excited to talk more about that and to, and to live that commitment that we that we owe our fan base and, and put a good product out on the field. And I feel good about the guys in this locker room. I feel really good about them. I was going to say, I'm sure BG fans and alumni are, are excited to hear you say that. And uh, we're really excited to get you guys all, all back on the field. Uh, Coach, usually we end this with a, a few rapid-fire questions, and it's kind of just give us the first thing that kind of pops into your mind, the first story that comes to you. Um, the first, the first one is who is the toughest hitter you had to face as a pitcher, um, either in the Mac or your time, uh, in the pros. Adam Eaton in the kindest way possible was a nuisance. Uh, he <laughs> drove my pitch count up all the time and he was very good at stealing bases uh, as everyone gets to see. And that is the, that is in a complimentary way. I want to say that. Adam Eaton was a very great, very good, and a great adversary to uh, to me pitching in the MAC. Absolutely, he's still getting it done, no question. Yeah. Um, mine's a kind of a two-part question. What what was your song back in the day? Your warm-up song, and times passed since then. What would be uh, what would be your go-to song right now if you had to pick a warm-up song? So in 2011, I walked out to Power by Kanye West. All right. Um, now a father of two, so I keep that in mind when I uh, <laughs> the AM, FM, and plug the aux cord in in the car. Can't really go down that road right now with with my oldest son being more of a parrot than anything and picking up my tendencies. Um, <laughs> I would say I would go with something with like ACDC, maybe a little TNT. Uh, um, yeah, I like those guys. We like to rock and roll around here, and uh, it's it's a good energy. It's a good good vibe and all that kind of stuff. So ACDC, 
you know, TNT is good. Uh, we like that. Uh, Coach, we mentioned uh, a little bit about your professional career. Uh, do you have a favorite minor league stadium or city that you liked visiting the most? I really enjoyed my time in AAA in Oklahoma City. That was our home field. And that was back when the Thunder had Durant, Westbrook, and Harden. So that place was was special. Um, I liked uh, the Texas League was hot when I got there. Um, California League is always very scenic up and down the coast. Um, I would say AAA is the best. And anyone that's played minor league baseball knows the difference in in levels and how you get paid and treated at different levels. And I'd say the quality of life is definitely the best at AAA. And, and you're in the, your bigger, bigger market cities, so there's more to see. But uh, I'd say Oklahoma City was – was definitely definitely a fun a fun stop for my career. So you're telling us you're sitting courtside at those uh, Oklahoma City Thunder games. I was a senior sign. I was definitely not courtside. <laughs> definitely not courtside. The last question I, I have for you. Well, I guess we'll throw this out. I, I know you're close with one of our coworkers, Kyle Klein. This is there truth to this? There's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. Do you have a Do you have a Kyle Klein story? I absolutely do. Oh, let's go. Let's hear it. That's what I wanted to end it on. So Kyle Klein is one of my better friends that I met through uh, through baseball. You know how you guys are talking about baseball stories and how how it brings people together. And Kyle's a guy I met uh, just after my college career. Uh, I was really good friends with Zach Leonard. Um, Eastern Michigan's all-time hits leader and Kyle and Zach roomed together during grad school so when I would hang out with Zach and go up to Michigan and see him I met Kyle now Kyle Klein is an outstanding competitor he is an outstanding golfer yeah. and just uh May 16th actually the day after um we got the news on the 15th uh I golfed with Kyle, uh, Boulder Creek. So this is, this story is less than a month old. Kyle Klein is out there walking in putts from deep, like he's on tour, like nice, smooth stroke, you know, everything is on target at the, at the hole. He doesn't miss. I mean, he's providing us like no margin for error. And I'm playing my partner's TJ Sutton and he's teamed up with Zach Leonard. And we go out there and we play 18 holes, two-man scramble, and Kyle Klein is giving us the business. And he doesn't say much. He's quiet. But he's just saying it through his play and his actions. And, and it's the same way he was as a player, number four for the Eastern Michigan Eagles. I mean, he's, he's a great guy and uh, well-respected and probably really, really good at his job, like you guys can confirm. Yeah, well, it's funny that you bring up that story because we've talked on this podcast about Kyle's golf game, and I've played with him uh, very recently as well. And um, what we've talked about on this podcast is how Kyle's the guy, like like Eric and I, not the best. Eric's just picking up the game in the last year. I've played for quite some time, but I'm not at Kyle's level, right? But the guy will be money, like you say. He'll be on it, on it, and he'll, like – I don't know, stick a shot on a par three, like 10 feet from the hole. And Kyle just, it kills me every time. He's like, 
uh, yeah, little, little left to center there. And it's like, dude, you gotta, you gotta stop. You gotta stop with that because that's Kyle. Cause you know, he's out there giving you the business and he knows it. Like you mentioned, he's a competitor, but he tries to play off every shot. Like, Oh yeah, I got lucky that time. It's like, nah, dude, you, you can't get lucky that many times. So it's funny that you bring that up because we witness that all the time still. Yeah. He's uh He's that guy that you definitely don't want to overlook or he'll beat you himself. Um, and also, he's a heck of a basketball player. He is. I can confirm that one. We used to ask him when you guys were in the office together, ask him about some of the pickup games we used to play when I was in the offseason before I went to spring training. Uh, court number one, I believe, at the IM at Eastern Michigan. Me, him, Zach Leonard, and uh, – Brent Orman and some of those other guys that used to run around there, Eric Bells. Um, yeah, they let me come up there and play with them. And it was – those games were over with Kyle Klein and Zach Leonard and, and a couple of those guys, games to 11. Those games were over in about six possessions. Six <laughs> threes, that's about it. We weren't stepping inside the three-point line. So, that's really good player, good guy. That's tremendous. Well, hey, Kyle, we want to um... – uh, we want to thank you for today for coming on. I know it's been kind of ups and downs this past month, but uh, looking forward to uh, having you guys back. It's like you never left. And uh, even today we were on a coach's call together and just being able to talk baseball. Hopefully everything sorts itself out here in the next couple of months. We're back on campus. We're back doing all kind of what we, what we love doing and uh, can't wait to, to see you out there leading leading the Falcons and, um, you know, looking forward to the regular season coming around. So, again, I want to thank you for your time, for your stories, and look forward to, to telling more stories and hearing more from you in the future. Absolutely, guys. Jeremy, Eric, thanks a lot for having me. Appreciate the warm welcome everyone's given, uh, given me. And, uh, again, can't thank uh, – can't, can't do anything – on the airwaves without thanking our alumni, our administration, our school. Uh, we're proud to be Bowling Green State University baseball, and we're going to take it one good day at a time and try and string a bunch together. Sounds good, man. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Thanks coach.